The Dave Canales intro presser press conference for the Carolina Panthers took place yesterday. He killed it. He crushed it, knocked it out of the park. He's a very good public speaker, and and you know you just hope that somehow that translates to very good offensive play caller. Did very well, but after the press conference, uh, different television outlets were granted by the media uh, people over there with the Carolina Panthers uh, the ability to have quick one-on-one, sit down, get a one-on-one. Uh, our very good friend of the show, Chris Lee, WRAL Sports, was one of those granted the opportunity. Uh, and, and by the way, you can catch most of those comments on the Panthers Playbook podcast. All of them. All of those comments on the Panthers Playbook podcast. Uh, he's he's put together some packages for WRAL News. I'm sure you can find those online. So uh, so go ahead and enjoy it all. But there's one thing that stuck out to me, and, it, and it's because of uh, pure repetition. There's a uh, a rule in radio, and I don't even know if this still applies. But when I first got into radio, I was also selling like advertisements. I was a salesperson also, and uh, you know, before they let you go out on the streets and start making pitches to business owners, they train you. And I went to a training, and they they hammered us in the face with the rule of three. You got to hear something three times to remember it. You got to hear something three times to remember it. So when you're putting together the advertising packages, it's all about making sure the listeners hear it three times. You could put it at the same time every day. So if someone's in the car three times, that same time, they're driving home or whatever it is, boom, they hear it three consecutive days, rule of three accomplished. You could put it on three times within 15 minutes. If you're in the car all 15 minutes, boom, you heard it three times. The rule of three. Well, I can tell you right now, I've heard this about 300 times since uh, since Dave Canales was hired to be the the Carolina Panthers. He's Pete Carroll Jr. And the first time I heard it was right here on this program. I was interviewing Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report, and he said Pete Carroll Jr. And I went, ooh. You can go back. The, the interview is on our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when it's a phone interview, sometimes I'm a little awkward because it's just the camera is just on me as I listen. But you can see it when he says Pete Carroll Jr., my eyes light up. You can actually probably hear it. I click my pen, and I write down on my notepad, Pete Carroll Jr., because I was like, that's awesome. That's a good thing. Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach, right? Pete Carroll won a Super Bowl. Pete Carroll won a national championship. Pete Carroll did a lot of good. Pete Carroll turned Russell Wilson into Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll the Legion of Boom. And then, like, a day later, Pete Carroll Jr. came up again. And then in another conversation later that day, he's like Pete Carroll. Then in another conversation later that day, did you know he worked under Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll. Then he got to his opening press conference, and he gave a long thank you to Pete Carroll. Bill Belichick. No. Yes, Pete Carroll. (laughs) It was Pete Carroll. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, Little Friday joke there. Uh, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll. Then he goes into his one-on-ones with Chris Lee, and, and Chris Lee asks him about Pete Carroll, and here's Dave Canales. So I was part of his high school camps when I was a junior college coach. And um, these camps are so much fun. He wanted it to be high energy. He wanted it to be a lot of teaching, everybody working, not staring down at your scripts or running all around. And I think he could sense that I, that was just me. And um, when he had an opportunity to hire me in uh, 2009, I was able to join his staff at USC and, um, and then just followed him to Seattle, six or seven different job titles and just a whole lot of mentoring, a lot of encouragement, a lot of challenging um, conversations along the way, um, and I, I can't, I can't say how what a great resource he's been and will continue to be for my first uh, chance to be a head coach. Pete Carroll, I remember it. He says it a lot. 
I'm a little worried. Or I'm asking maybe should we be worried? Is he doing a Pete Carroll impression? Because he comes across very, very Pete Carroll-ish. Mm-hmm. Very, like, exact same energy, exact same optimism, exact same. He, a lot of positivity. Pete Carroll Jr. I want to see him on game day and know how many packs of gum he goes through. Like, is he going to go gray early and just hit that silver fox early on? And is it like, where does the, the comparison stop? Keeping himself in very good shape. Wouldn't be surprised if in his 70s he could still run around and throw the football like we were all impressed with Pete Carroll doing a couple months ago. Running scout team. (laughs) And then I got to thinking about Bill Belichick disciples, right? The coaching tree, the assistants that have left Bill Belichick. And we could run down Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Josh McDaniels, on and on, Joe Judge, on and on and on. And how they have not been great head coaches. They've been good coordinators have not been great head coaches. And my instinct is that it's because they're doing a Belichick impression, right? They're trying to do the Patriot way. They're trying to be the grumbly guy. They're trying to be football, do your job. And instead of letting their own personality sh- personality shine through, uh, Ryan Rossillo used to work for ESPN, now works for The Ringer, tells a story of Eric Mangini, who he eventually worked with Eric Mangini when Eric Mangini joined the, the uh, uh, media. And he remembered him as the coach of the Jets, who was this ornery football guy, curmudgeon, very Belichickian. And so when he had to work with them, he was prepared for like, gosh, this is going to be a, a thing. And then Mangini ended up being really personable and ended up being really uh, kind of magnetic and ended up being fun-loving. And 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 Rosillo was like, I so he was doing like a performance thing when he was the head coach of the Jets. He was doing like a performance thing. He wasn't being himself. And I think that matters. If you're doing a Belichick impression, it's not going to work because authenticity is the number one thing you need in a, in a locker room of any kind. A locker room is the, the best radar for inauthentic anything of the, the entire world. You walk in there and you're not yourself, they're going to pick up on it and they're going to make fun of you. Is Dave Canales naturally that Pete Carroll-like guy, or does he think that the role of the head coach is supposed to do that because that's what Pete Carroll did, and he was out there for 13, 14 years, and as you just heard him say, Pete Carroll plucked him out of the junior college ranks and brought him on up, and, and, and he owes so much to Pete Carroll. right? I, like, Are you influenced by or are you doing an impression of? Think of it like a musician. If you are influenced by uh, Prince or James Brown or Elvis, if you're influenced by them, you're inspired by them, you like their music, and there's hints of what they do in your music. If you're doing an impression of them, then you should go on Saturday Night Live. That's different. Yeah, Yeah, then you you have a side stage show (laughs) in Vegas somewhere, and, and you're playing their hits and trying to be them. Which is more impressive? Which is more fun to watch which are you buying more tickets for right like bruno mars who was who was influenced by elvis and 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 prince and james brown or the people that dress up like them and do the the cover shows right now here's the big question that i have first of all is he being authentic that's number one Mm -hmm. second is what did a year away do because he was not with pete carroll last year he was with todd bowles in tampa much different personality did he look around and go, okay, 
here's the parts of Pete Carroll that are most important. Here's the influences that are actions, things that he does that helps him run a, a football team, and then I can do them as me. Did he look around and go, all right, here's some things Todd Bowles did. That's actually not bad. Pete doesn't do that, but I like that. That's the question. And here's the thing. A bunch of assistants from Tampa, some that were only with him for a year in Tampa, are coming with him to, to Carolina. So he's magnetic either way. He's magnetic in his impersonation, or he's magnetic in his authenticity. But people believe it. He just, he just needs to stick to it if it's him. That's what I'm getting at. A perfect time to address the elephant in the room when it comes to Dan Morgan being announced as the new GM for the Carolina Panthers, which happened yesterday at the official press conference. The biggest question for Dan Morgan that he would have to address when he spoke to the media is very simple. Weren't you here when the Panthers got into this mess? That was my first reaction. And and the sometimes when, when the news breaks live on air, uh, it's awesome because we we get to very much document like our exact down to the second first reaction. And uh, you can find the video. It was uh, on all of our social pages. It was on our YouTube page. By the way, uh, we are officially at 8,900 subscribers on YouTube, and we've set ourselves a little challenge of getting to 9,000 today. So subscribe, people. So subscribe and bring a friend, right? This is like pay it forward. You, you get two people also, and then they get two people, and then they get two people. What? Sounds like a Ponzi scheme. But exactly. All right. Exactly. <laughs> we want a Ponzi scheme our way to nine nine thousand. We're gonna multi-level market this. Okay? okay. Everybody bring two friends and it's just gonna spider from there. It'll look like a bracket in reverse. Uh and and go subscribe to our YouTube page, 999 the fan. But my, what I was saying was on our YouTube page, on our literally the Dan Morgan hire broke uh whatever day it broke, we had like two minutes left in our show. It was Monday of last week. Monday of last week. You're better at calendars than I am. Thank you. Uh, and immediately we spent those two minutes of me ranting about Dan Morgan was here. Dan Morgan put this team together. Dan Morgan is being asked to come in and, and fix what he was had, had a hand in breaking. And, and throughout me saying that and more, right, uh, Dennis was just going, oh, really? Gosh. No, like that was our genuine first response. And then the, that was the first minute. And then the second minute was was me going, this is the only way it works, is if his interview went like this. I didn't want to trade up for DJ Johnson, and I said it, and I was ignored. I didn't want to trade away Christian McCaffrey, and I said it, and it was ignored. And I didn't want to uh, trade, include DJ Moore in the trade for Bryce Young, and I was ignored. And I didn't want to do this, and I didn't want to do that, and I didn't want, and I was ignored. That's the only way his interview would have made sense for the hire. And then, obviously, as it does, time goes on, and we had to move on to talking about other things because we weren't going to get that answer until Dan Morgan spoke to the, the, the media. Then, earlier this week, we had Michael Lombardi on the show. Michael Lombardi uh, is a has three Super Bowl rings. Uh, he's worked. He's been a GM in the NFL. He's been one of the closest confidants professionally with Bill Belichick. He's worked all over the place. Now he is a member of the media, uh, wrote a book. You should check it out, Football Done Right. Available everywhere right now. Go buy it. Uh, but Michael Lombardi 
brought me right back to my first reaction. We talked about the Dan Morgan hire, and this is what Lombardi had to say. Well, he's Scott Federer's best friend. I mean, they hired him together. I would think that Scott would have listened to, you know, he was involved in every single mm-hmm. decision. So, you know, I mean, I have a hard time understanding that, but he obviously convinced, you know, the owner that he had a plan and he had everything, and now we are going to be able to evaluate how that's going to pan out, and we'll see. For me, I'm a little skeptical, to call, to say the least, but, you know, it happens in the NFL. Guys get jobs, you know, after they're, you know, they get brought in by their best friend, and then they get a job. So, who knows? Uh, to me, here's the problem. There's no systems in place. There's no culture in place. None of that is in place in Carolina because there's been no attempt to do that. There's been constant change, and there's been no identity. And if Morgan can deliver that, God bless him, he's going to need to do it. And I went, exactly. That was my first reaction, too. And I'm not pretending like I'm some kind of savant, observant person. That was just about everybody's reaction to Dan Morgan being hired. uh, Even those that loved it kind of were, yeah, but he was there, right? He's a great guy. He's Dan Morgan. He's passionate. He's the linebacker. He worked under this team and that team, and he worked in Seattle and saw this success. But there was still that moment of, yeah, maybe they didn't listen to him. Maybe he was in Carolina, but he was he was uh, had his, his legs cut out from under him, and he didn't have much power and fitter and listen. Maybe, which was actually more like a hope. And then the press conference came and went, and no one really pressed him on it. And that's where our good friend Chris Lee comes in, co-host of the Panthers Playbook podcast. Check him out, along with our very own Dennis Cox. Uh, he also sports reporter for WRAL Sports, which is where this came from. Uh, Chris got a, a one-on-one with Dan Morgan after the the press conference yesterday, and he asked him, like, what's different between you and Fitterer when it comes to, you know, roles and building this team? Here's Dan Morgan. We're all different, right? Everybody's, you know, everybody has different philosophies, different plans, the way they do things, and, you know, that'll be no different with me. Um, I'm going to bring my style. Um, I'm going to bring, you know, little things that I that I think, you know, I may want to implement, um, and I'm going to work my butt off to, to make sure that, that we field a championship team. Coach speak. I don't – you know, sometimes you get in an argument or sometimes you're in a situation – Somebody gets mad at you for not saying the right thing, and and you want to be like, well, then give me the script beforehand, right? If if the, if you knew exactly what you wanted to hear, give me the script beforehand. And sometimes you you ask somebody a question and you genuinely don't know what the right answer is, but you you just think I'll know it when I when I hear it. I don't know what Dan Morgan's correct answer is to that one, but I know that wasn't really it, right? I needed. Uh, either some concrete accountability, right? I think it would have been okay if, if he simply said, yeah, I was involved in those decisions. I was in the room. I obviously was not the loudest voice in the room, and I did not have final say, but I have to take my my accountability for being involved in those decisions, and I've learned from them. I'm going to bring in different people, and I will amplify their voices, and I will learn. I will empower people I trust, and I will lean on Dave Canales, and I will lean on Brant Tillis, and and that's why they're here, and and we're going to do everything we can to be better. I don't expect him to go full-throwing under the bus, but if he did say, you know, hey, I'm going to do things very differently than it was when I wasn't the GM. 
Was I a part of those conversations? Yes, but I, that's not to say the structure was how I wanted it to be. I wasn't in, you know, it's no different than being a, a wide receivers coach and then becoming the offensive coordinator, right? I was, I was a part of the offense, but now I get to create the offense and I think it'll be different. The coach speak is, is safe. The coach speak, you're not going to rile up any feathers. You're not going to get anybody on your case. But that is a question that is, I believe, extremely fair, and he should be asked often. When they make a big move, I need to say, how was this move, uh, how was the decision-making process that led to this move different and better than the decision-making process that led you to the big moves that that directed you straight to 2023 when you were the worst team in the NFL despite not owning your first overall pick, first-round pick. How was it different? Because it better be. How was it different? Because it has to be. You can't do things the same way you've been doing them the last five years, the last three years, the last two years, or the last year. He has to distance himself from the previous regime, even knowing he was kind of second in command in the previous regime. Yeah. But he says, you know what? I'm I'm a little different. I'm going to put my my thoughts and my things into it. Okay, prove it. And I'm bringing in different voices. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm the same, but there's a lot of different here too. Right? I'm the same, but Brant Tillis is different. He's the, the numbers guy, the cap guy, the money guy, the negotiations guy. Uh, I'm the same, but I'm more powerful now, and I get to – uh, steer us in a different direction, and that might be where Dave Canales tells me to steer. Like, there there needs to be um, a very distinct divide between Dan Morgan, the assistant GM, and Dan Morgan, the GM. It's actually no different than yesterday. Uh, we were talking because the Elias Lindholm trade happened in, in the NHL, mm-hmm. and my instinct was, well, he was on the Canes before Brindamore. And then, and then Dennis had to go, well, Brenda Moore was the assistant coach. He wasn't the head coach. And I went, well, I consider the Brenda Moore era to start when he became the head coach. And by the way, the Brenda Moore era has been significantly different than the Brenda Moore era when he was the assistant coach. Very much. It needs to be like that for Dan Morgan, where when I was the assistant, I didn't get to set the temperature. Once I become the head guy, I get to set the temperature, right? I get the thermostat. I'm the one over there cranking the heat or, or cooling it down when it needs to be, and it's going to feel different. Just like the the Canes felt different when Brenda Moore went from assistant to head coach. The Panthers have to feel different when Dan Morgan goes from assistant GM to GM, and that's on him to prove. Like, that's his onus. That big question that Chris Lee asked him is a completely fair question, and it needs to be asked over and over again until he proves it's different. I think – what goes into this as well is the there's the the alignment that word that we heard a bunch. Fitterer came in after Matt Rule was hired, mm-hmm. and then it seemed like David Tepper was the one that really pulled the strings on hiring Frank Reich. So there was an alignment there. I think maybe Fitterer was unfortunately stuck in a tough situation where he was trying to cater to, to multiple people in two different ways. I think with Canales and Morgan and Tepper. And all those guys are all, like you said, alignment, that word that was thrown in yesterday, a bunch that we heard, connected. I connected, think that's actually going to help him actually. same page, rowing in the same direction, moving in the same direction. All those synonyms you want to throw in there. But I think that's actually probably going to help him more because at least he knows that the head coach and the owner and everyone's all on the same page. Do you think it would go over well 
if we gifted Dan Morgan and Dave Canales a welcome to the the new position, a congratulation present, that was a thesaurus with a uh, <laughs> little post-it, you know, the little post-it wings that you can put into a book to, yes. to mark the page pointed towards alignment. So it just had all the different ways they could say alignment highlighted. Maybe do you think that would be an appropriate gift or do you think maybe that would put us on the outside and get our credentials revoked? Yes. All right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think it'd be funny. I don't know. They're, I don't, they're the fun loving group, right? They're the energy, their optimism. Maybe they'll like a good, uh, a good joke. We could send them like an edible arrangement also to, to make up for it. 